This is the Change Management Podcast by the University of South Wales. My name is Dr Louise Bright and today I'm joined by Andrew Price from the Professional Development Centre. We'll be discussing all things strategy and how it's essential for successful organisational change. Hi Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrew, and your professional background? Sure, yeah. Well, after an unlikely start at art college, I had a fairly successful NHS career. I started in hospital management, but moved into leadership development. And my last NHS job was heading up something called the Wales Centre for Health Leadership. So I went from there into freelance consultancy. And that's what I've been doing ever since, uh, working with businesses, charities, churches, all sorts of organizations. But I've also, because I think it's important, actually worked in strategy as well as talked about it. So I've been the chair of a charity. I'm also currently the chair of a community interest company. Your background is really varied, but with a focus on strategy. And that's what we want to talk to you about today. Probably every book that's ever been written about business has got a chapter on strategy. And most of us will be able to put our hands on our own organisation strategy. But what does strategy really mean? Yeah, really good question. And I guess one that it would probably be better if businesses were asking themselves fairly seriously. Because I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood words in business that everyone uses lots of the time, but people are fairly fuzzy about what it really means in practice. So I think, and this is based on lots of experience and lots of conversations, I think if you really pin down the average board member and said, what is strategy, what they would eventually tell you is that it is a very big plan, a very big, very expensive plan, in fact. But that's really what strategy is. Uh, it's not a document. It's not a yearly or two yearly or three yearly event. What it is, is a, a practical process, which is ongoing through every business, which may result in a document. And that has disadvantages, actually, as well as advantages. Do you want me to say more about defining strategy? Yeah, I think because you're beginning to touch on some of the things that I've been thinking about. Um, and, and that planning thing is 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 one of them. I think when when we often talk about strategy, we think, oh, it's it's the plan that's on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. It's got a sell by date. You know, our plan is 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 a ten year plan, and I know where it is, and I, and I can I can talk about it. I know where we're going. Yeah. But that's really interesting. What you said actually is it, it's it might be a plan, but actually it's a process, and that that kind of gives me the idea that it's much, something that's much more live. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, it's it's a process which leads to a plan, but the plan is not the strategy. Let me explain. So if someone promised to take you for a meal, but then just gave you a recipe instead, <laughs> uh, you'd feel fairly shortchanged. Or if someone said that they were going to uh, take you for a weekend in Paris, but then just gave you a postcard of the Eiffel Tower, again, I think you'd justifiably feel shortchanged. And in the same way, Strategy is not a document or a written down plan in the same way that a postcard is not a holiday and a recipe is not a meal. Strategy is a cyclical, never-ending process, and it's also a mindset. So it's not an event. It's, like I say, a cyclical process, which involves looking outside the organization, 
but also looking within the organization. In the light of that, looking to identify what are the main challenges or opportunities facing us, selecting the critical few out of that, because too many priorities means no priorities, then beginning to decide how best we can address these challenges and opportunities, doing some testing on those at minimum viable product approach, and then moving into implementing and executing that. But of course, I mean, that sounds like a neat step-by-step process. It isn't neat, and all stages bleed into one another. And the thing that's influencing them all is the culture of the business. Uh, And as someone wisely said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So in all of this, you have to be conscious of, work with, hold in mind what the culture of your business is. Interested in learning about driving organizational change? Search for the USW Changemaker Programme. How important is it, do you think, to bring people with you? I mean, you you mentioned that you've had leadership experiences in in different organisations. How how do you get people to feel a part of that, that journey? Well, in answer to the first part of your question, it's not so much important as essential. If you don't bring them with you, then it, it will remain a document on a shelf. And it will all have been a dramatic and expensive waste of time. So the usual mistake is to separate strategy from implementation. So typically the top team go away to an expensive hotel and do several days of brilliant brainstorming with an expensive consultant. And then the first that most of the organization knows about this is is a glossy documents, PowerPoint slides, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if that's the way it is, then really you're, you're dead in the water. You have to bear in mind from the beginning of the process that people in the organization know stuff that you don't. So your sales force or your receptionists or your design team have to be listened to. So even before you begin to think about what is the strategy, you do some very, very careful listening and talking. And if you involve people from the outset, rather than telling them at some stage what you want them to do, it just ramps up the chances of strategy turning into reality. So I suppose by giving people a chance to engage and have their voices heard, They're feeling a part of that strategy rather than having strategy done to them from people much higher up than them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, that's a good way of putting it. If if we're doing strategy to people, we're already, you know, fighting a losing battle. We have to, I don't think it's a choice to involve. And sometimes I think as leaders or as senior managers, we get very, we become very patronizing towards our staff. Unless we listen to them, Unless we involve them, we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage. We're not drawing on their knowledge and their understanding. Like I say, they know stuff that we don't. Uh, They have contact with customers of a nature that we uh, don't. And they have a view of the product. They have a view of the service, which needs to be built in. So whilst the board can't avoid the need to define strategy, I don't think boards need to think that they have to invent it. It's more a question of listening to staff, listening to industry experts, listening to a whole range of people and looking at data and then distilling it. It doesn't matter if their ideas are not theirs, that they have to distill it down 
but they don't have to invent it. I think this is really interesting, and this touches on um, communication. I think often organisations, particularly some bigger organisations, will pride themselves in really good communication, but that communication tends to be, I'm really good at talking to the teams, rather than actually having channels where they can regularly dip in and listen. Because I I guess, again, if you're saying, I think I can recognise yeah. Oh, we're going to develop a strategy. Let's have some workshops and focus groups. But the bit I can't recognise is your point about that strategy being living and breathing and something that evolves and changes. How do how do you as a leader keep hearing those voices of of your teams and your staff? Well, I I don't think it's just about strategy. I think that's just good management leadership anyway. That you are engaged with, that you are approachable, that you are listening to people all over the organization. And that, I guess, is easier if you're a four-person startup than if you're a multinational corporation, which is possibly why very, very big organizations find it quite hard to to flex and change. Mm. So yeah, it's part of good leadership that, that we know what people are feeling and thinking in the organization and that the culture by which I think I mean now the sort of examples that we as leadership set, and it's not a complete definition of culture, but that we set the example of being approachable, not just talking down to, but also doing some listening. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. In terms of more advice, again, building on your experience as being at the top of organisations, what advice can you give to leaders that are looking to refresh or realign their strategy during this period of vast change for us all? Well, I think the first thing I'd say is if they are looking to revise, to refresh, well done, because it's a great time to do it. I think one of the main things would be that we really have to rethink our understanding of strategy and strategic thinking, because strategic thinking is a mindset. And to begin to explain that, it's important to recognize that as humans, we are lazy thinkers, generally. If there's an easy answer that we've had before, we've used before, we'll go for that again. If there's a way of avoiding the hard work of thinking something through from start to finish, we'll go for that easy answer. Now, in in lots of life, that doesn't matter. So, you know, we have the same stuff for breakfast, and we tend to dress in roughly the same sort of way for the same occasions. And that's good. It saves time. But when it comes to strategy, it's fatal if we cannot think things through from start to finish, if we, if we can't shift our minds from the ruts into which they so easily fall. So if you're a board member, if you're a manager of a business, I would say you need to get into a mindset where you try and step outside of the normal, step outside of the usual way of doing things, the usual priorities and prejudices and preferences of your business, and say, okay, so if we were starting from scratch again with the resources we have and the market as it is, what would we do? I don't underestimate how hard that is because our minds do tend to run in ruts. And there's some really good examples, aren't there, I think, of organisations that have had to change to survive the pandemic i mean we know that there are some that are you know furloughed staff and are just hoping to come out of it at the end you've then got some that are in survival mode 
and you've got some that seemingly are thriving, exploiting different markets, changing, you know, beyond yeah. anything I think that that we could have could have dreamed of before before the pandemic. Mm. And one of the words that I'm using much more often now is pivot. Yeah. Can you, from your experience of working with a, such a wide range of organisations, can you give us some examples of organisations that have managed to pivot their strategy really successfully? The one that springs to mind is an organisation which uh, I currently chair, which delivers um, talking therapies using things like CBT, counselling, stuff like that. And of course, that's normally done on a face-to-face basis. You go and see your therapist and uh, you have you have a session. The pandemic came at a time when we had also sadly lost one of our major contracts. So we had a double whammy. A, one of our biggest customers was disengaging and B, the whole way in which we operate <laughs> was uh, was threatened, if not obliterated temporarily. So very, very quickly, we accelerated our investment in online and computer-mediated therapy. And that's been pretty successful. But what it required is switching of investment fairly quickly. And it also takes courage and determination on behalf of not just the leadership team, but the staff to say, look, what we were doing not only isn't working, but can't work. We really have to do something very different very quickly and carry that through. And so far, working. I've got one final question for you. And I think we've talked a lot about communication and we've talked a lot about people, people in, in our organisations. And that's that's coming across to me as being something that's really fundamental to, to strategy. Yeah, I think these are difficult times. Um, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen and change is, is hard for, for all of us. And as as somebody at the top in a leadership position, you know, there's a responsibility on you. I think teams will look look to the leader for, for reassurance that actually you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Can you give our leaders some advice on how, how to do that effectively? Yeah. And it's something I, I haven't always done well in the past. If I look back to some of my NHS jobs, I think I just believed too much of the literature and uh, went by the example of other leaders. It's been really helpful to be a consultant and yet still work within organizations because you get a sort of objectivity and a variety of experience that makes you question your own way of doing things. I think, first of all, I would say you really have to listen. There's a great book by, I think it's Shine, which uh, is called The Art of Humble Listening or Humble Questioning. And there's a huge amount to be gained by asking seemingly daft questions people like, what do you think this business is for? Or do you enjoy your work? Those sorts of questions and listening very carefully to the answer. So listen, listen, and then listen a bit more, I think. Certainly involve and give people the tools and if necessary, the training to be able to contribute to discussions about where the business is going and listen carefully to their answers. And I think release their talents as well. The businesses, places of work ought to be great places. They ought to be places that people look forward to coming to and where they feel they're developing and learning and enjoying their work. We do that, I think, primarily by giving people meaningful jobs to do and finding out what they're good at and giving them more of that. 
I think all of those things mean that what we avoid is the patronizing, paternalistic approach of we are the leaders, we'll decide what goes, and then we'll tell you all about it. And if you go with it, you're a good person. And if you don't go with it, you're a resistor and will be crushed. So, uh, yeah, I think it's about involve, listen, release. Thank you, Andrew, for your time today. I found that fascinating and, and a really insightful conversation. And thank you for listening. No, thanks for having me. If you want to hear more about the Change Management Podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And to find out more about how our university can help your business, visit southwales.ac.uk slash business.